I don't know how I'm curious, but then I realize I literally have one of the most uh, perfect jobs to discuss that because I think of curiosity as someone who learns about the world and the people around them, um, like wants to do that, wants to seek out that information and asks a lot of questions. And my entire job has been based off of asking questions of people um, and then writing them. And I sought out that career because I love learning about people, places and things. Um, and I love providing that information for people. And uh, it's also a type of job where no day is ever the same. <laughs> You're listening to the Curiosity Podcast. Join your hosts, Scott Gale and Brad Rosacci, as they pursue their mission to help humanity get their curiosity back and on the way, reinvigorate their own. So on today's episode, we talked with Natalie Harms. This is probably the longest episode that we've done so far, and mostly because it was just a fantastic conversation and we didn't want it to end. So Brad, what was your favorite part of the episode? I think my favorite part of the conversation was hearing from Houston's voice of innovation on how she is utilizing her platform to really be a density and collisions platform for bringing serendipity to life through digital media. And that's a really beautiful, um, I think, why statement and a great ambition. And she brings that not only with Innovation Map, but also with her social media platforms. It's not Hugh as well as her book club. And so it's pretty fascinating to see how her ambitions transpire into her passions and her passions into her ambitions. And she's really found a beautiful way to serendipitously bring together her practice and her passion. I think that my favorite part to answer your question is that we learned about the human being that exists within the voice that we see out in the market and community. Yeah, Natalie shares with us sort of the fact that there's really not a hobby that she has that she isn't willing to brag about. So you can kind of track down what she's up to on social media or other platforms, passionate about a, a number of different things from reading to reporting to the city of Houston uh, at large. So join Brad and I as we dive into the conversation with Natalie Harms. All right. I'm Brad. I'm Scott. This is Curiosity. We're here with Natalie. Natalie, thanks for being on the show with us. Thanks for having me. Super uh, stoked to have you on. <laughs> we've mixed it up a little bit. I feel like I'm kind of in the hot seat. I realize that uh, we put these guests on this like pivot thing here mm -hmm. that uh, I'll try and navigate. But uh, this is this is actually a takeover. You're on the podcast. And <laughs> exactly. What's, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, one of the one of the last episodes that we did, um, there was another event going on, and so like all the kit was gone. So it was just the audio version of the podcast so it's kind of fun to have the lights back and kind of yeah. have the whole setup in place. it was kind of strange not having the whole setup yeah, yeah. it felt yeah. a little weird well i record my podcast uh with no setup so this is extremely <laughs> different for me i remember when i was on the podcast with you yeah it was cool though I it's was a nice. little nervous because i was the first podcast i've done like radio but i've never been on a podcast before i yeah. was and i'm not super nervous person but I've, I've never been, different. well, that's not true. It's rare that I'm on this side of, of a podcast. Usually I'm in control, but yeah. Well, we're excited to have you on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and we'll, yeah. we'll link, uh, Brad's, uh, podcast guest in the show notes so that, uh, the audience can go and check out that piece of archival footage if it's still available Yeah, and, yeah, uh, we can we'll, do that. we'll make that happen. Um, so Brad, you want to kick off the conversation with, uh, I would love to, um, 
So Natalie, really stoked to have you here with us today. The voice of the voice of innovation here in Houston. Yeah. As I believe they say. Technically, uh, Innovation Map is the voice, of, but I am Innovation Map, so I, I guess would, I'm the voice of the voice of, of I, Innovation Map. You know, I'm, I'm going to argue that you are the face <laughs> and the voice of Innovation Map. I feel like I, f- yeah. I feel like all the humans would definitely validate that as well. Would agree. Um, <laughs> so, as we really kick off today, curiosity, right? If we look at the role that curiosity plays in our human experience, it's so beautiful. It's so powerful. From zero to five, it's everywhere. Right. We're curious about everything that we see and touch and experience because we're for the very first time we're seeing and touching experience things Mm -hmm. as we go through life. Sometimes it can fade out. And so we're on this pretty cool uh, mission. I was thinking of a different word than mission, but ambition, maybe to bring curiosity back into the fabric of humanity and make it core to our daily lives. And so we're really excited to learn from you today what the role that curiosity's played in your own life, just as a human being, as Natalie Harms, like what is, what have been the cool moments where curiosity has been pivotal in helping you navigate a different direction or guide you along a certain path or open up new opportunities or whatever it might be as, as just exciting as you're willing to uh, go on this journey with us or as excited as we are to go on this journey with you, I guess I should say. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty jazzed to just kind of open up and hear a little bit about why you get out of bed every day. And um, yeah. Yeah. Well, when you first told me about this podcast, I thought, um, I don't know how I'm curious, but then I realized I literally have one of the most uh, perfect jobs to discuss that because I think of curiosity as someone who learns about the world and the people around them, um, like wants to do that, wants to seek out that information and asks a lot of questions. And my entire job has been based off of asking questions of people um, and then writing them. And I sought out that career because I love learning about people, places, and things, um, and I love providing that information for people, and um, it's also a type of job where no day is ever the same. Yeah, and just thinking about what what I know of your journey, not only do you bring curiosity to Innovation Map, but you also bring curiosity to the social media world in a couple different ways now, which is super cool. Um, You know, you have a pretty successful social media platform with It's Not Hugh, and also your really cool book one as well. Yeah. So I'm overexposed, realistically. Just <laughs> too many, too many social media things. So I, w- I would say you were like the epitome of a of a very curious human and have found really cool ways to to really bring mm-hmm. curiosity to life, which is super exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think social media is a little sick of me. I have a little bit too much of a presence, mm-hmm. but I can't help it. It's like a natural extension. I don't know if it's generational or anything, but yeah, I just um I've always wanted this information and the things that I provide information on, you know what I mean? It's like almost selfish what I do. Cause I'm like, I'm interested in this. So I'm going to ma- assume everybody else is and uh, put this information out there. There's kind of a common thread in, in a number of those things. And I'm a follower of uh, it's not you, it's me. And uh, there's kind of a storytelling thread and um, certainly with innovation map and the, telling the stories of innovators around, uh, around the city and, is there sort of a, an, an early experience or a, a, a spark, if you will, that you kind of discovered that storytelling was kind of a passion or a thing or w- yeah. w- what's kind of the. That's a good question. I, I, I'm unique in uh, that. I've always known what I wanted to do, even if I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I, I remember starting high school and thinking 
I got to immediately get on the the newspaper um, at St. Agnes Academy where I went. And I was like, I got to go. Like, where do I where do I sign up? I asked around and they were like, oh, it's it's upperclassmen only. You you can't join until you were a junior. And so I joined when I was a junior and senior. But I literally I remember thinking, like, I want to do this job in the future. Um, So as early as, you know, freshman year of high school, I knew very strongly that that's what I wanted. Um, and then everyone told me that I was going to change my mind 10 times over. And um, and I just I don't know, I kind of doubled down because I was like, you don't know me. I'm going to make this happen. Like I'm Challenge going accepted. to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, never changed my major in college, never even considered it. Um, and sometimes I almost wonder if I should have and and maybe just like minored in journalism because there's only so much you could do with, you know, four years of dedicated journalism. Um curriculum. And so I, yeah, I just, I, I really don't know what actually sparked the idea other than just witnessing on TV journalists and thinking, yeah, I could do that. Um, or that sounds interesting. That sounds unique. Like <laughs> that sounds like a different type of job. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's where I kind of got that idea and I just stuck with it. So it's kind of so, something that you observed yeah. as like, Hey, this is something I would love to go do or be a part mm-hmm. of, or that I could accomplish. Yeah. Um, or there, as you have kind of, uh, spent, uh, your career yeah. and, and your education in that area, how have you seen sort of the, the evolution of kind of these platforms from sort of n- talking news head on, you know, broadcast television mm-hmm. to some of the the platforms that you're working on today. It's uh it's a really interesting industry and I feel like there's so much at risk at risk but also also just like at play in in the entire industry because mm-hmm. it's evolved so much. Um I'm not I'm not old, but I'm uh, like kind of older than uh some of these changes, like I remember when Jay Z says forties um, in your twenties. So okay, sounds I good. Mean, you know, I'm just saying. I think we're all younger than we think. I know, we but are. I, I do. I do think about that sometimes. I was like, even social media. Where I'm like, I feel a little further removed than I did five years ago, where I, mm. I don't necessarily feel like I'm an expert anymore. Mm. I mean, I know that there are parts that I can, I can still do, and I'm a quick adapter. But like. Yeah, there's some things where I'm like, oh my gosh, I I don't know if I can hang in this next phase of social media, for instance. But in journalism, you know, I made a switch um, about three years ago from a print first publication to a digital only. And I thought, actually, in retrospect, I don't think I thought about that hard enough. I just like did it. I just went for it. But it is a huge change. And like, we're really glad you did. Yeah. Just cannonball in, by the way. <laughs> I'm I'm glad too. Oh, I'm I was ready to go. I I was like I had some mentors that I consulted with um, about joining this like non-existent online publication, and they were like, "Well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that?" I was like, "Oh, um, no, but I'm still gonna do it because <laughs> I just it felt like it felt super right." But there's also I looking back on it, I was like, I really did switch from the dream that I always had, which was to see my name in print, uh, to, you know, this online medium that is not super different. It didn't actually feel that big of a difference. There's no sending the paper to the printer and that stress and anxiety. I do not miss that, but, um, (laughs) the, and the like kind of finality of that paper, but, um, yeah, it is kind of wild when I think about that. Is that that marked a huge change in yeah. career? You really look at that closely, evolution-wise. So I have so many thoughts. The first one that comes to mind is like the evolution of our mindset as like a metaphor. It's like, are you the newspaper, the magazine, 
Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, like, mm-hmm. and whatever's coming next, right? It's like, I mean, it is such a good point though. Like, I feel like I'm not Facebook generation necessarily. I'm definitely Instagram generation. Mm-hmm. TikTok just seems way too cool for me. Like I've tried to get <laughs> on, cool TikTok, to on TikTok and I'm just like, <laughs> I am just not this cool. Like it has a whole nother level of cool. I think what's <laughs> so interesting about TikTok it, compared to Instagram is like people do like to compare them, um, but they're so completely different. And mm. it's, it's almost like a whole different section of social media where I think of social media as this platform to get out information. Like the anxiety I have whenever I hit post, I think does this have any information? Does this have any importance in people's life? Like, does it, is it going to educate somebody on something? Is it going to provide information on like a new restaurant in Houston? Um, is it going to convince someone to read this book that I really love? Like what value do I have in this post? And I just think about it too much. I just like overthink about it. And I'm like, I can't post it unless it has that value. TikTok, no offense, the value is different. The value system is different. Like, I don't think people are posting these hilarious cat videos that come up on my feed pretty much exclusively. Um, aren't thinking like, am I providing valuable Swift. information? Like two of y'all probably have the same feed if it's all about I know, cats. Right? Um, it, like that, but I don't also, I also don't open TikTok to like get information about anything. So it's, it's this whole different need we need as humans, this entertainment value, this like lighthearted, mm-hmm. um, kind of avenue that I particularly use TikTok for is a distraction and entertainment. Um, whereas I don't open Instagram for that necessarily, or like, I don't think about my content strategy as being just fluffy entertainment. So that's a good lead into what my second thought was, as they were like converging thoughts, hitting me in the brain at the same time, which is always a fun moment. (laughs) Um, I was thinking about the role that curiosity's played, right? As we talked about Mm -hmm. when we first kicked off, but almost like take us on a journey where, you know, you're, you, you have this idea, right? Or I don't know, something sparked something. I mean, that's what I'm hoping you'll share with us. And then that leads you to say, oh, I'm going to set up an Instagram account and that's going to then become, it's not you, it's me. And then, or yeah. And then like, that's going to be what it is, right? Or the cool stuff that you're doing with book club and innovation map as well, right? It's just like Mm -hmm. that, that process seems pretty magical. So like take us on that journey of like idea to like platform to like content to like inspiration. Yeah. Well, it's not who came out of a, I didn't have a job. I graduated college, did a program at NYU for magazine publishing and uh, was still freelancing and had no opportunities for full-time employment. And I just kind of thought about like, you know, what's the content I want to create and how do I create a platform for that kind of thing? And so that's really, that's the origin story of that. And then like kind of how it took off is a whole other thing. But most recently I did start during the pandemic when um, everybody had a little bit extra free time on their hands for the most part. Um, if if you work from home and, and your social life has been canceled kind of thing, like I was in. <laughs> and so I uh, started so reading true. more. <laughs> I I got sick of Netflix a, a few months in and I was like, okay, like I'm going to read. I've always been a big reader. Um, and really it just came out of this idea that there were a couple accounts on Instagram that I followed for book recommendations. And I was like, well, I'm reading more. So why don't I just, you know, I know how to make an Instagram account. And uh, so then I just was like, well, this is where I'll keep my reviews. So because I know eventually people will ask me for recommendations. Like, I don't know what's going on up here, but I'll remember all of them. So I'm going to use this platform as that. And then I realized it's like, it's actually a whole corner of the internet is book influencers. And so I kind of got Hmm. emerged into that 
pretty quickly and realized, oh no, this is like a thing where I can establish myself as a reputable book influencer. Um, and that kind of filled that need that I wasn't getting so much um, during the pandemic of going out and, and experiencing Houston and posting about that. So um, it kind of it, it kind of was a nice way to be a little bit still provide information via social media, but it's also something that um, will also connect me to people who are also doing the same thing all over the world. So it's kind of cool. Mm. Um, but that was really that it, I kind of accidentally stumbled into the world realistically. I mean, both in both platforms. I was like, I didn't know this would be a whole thing, but here I am. And I have, I think, just over 8,000 followers on my book account now, which, you wow. know, essentially happened over 18 months at this point. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy, but there crazy. was clearly a need for content about, yeah. <laughs> about the books I read. And what are y'all up to on It's Not You now? That's grown Um, I think almost 80. That's, 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 yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of humans that you get it's to a, influence. Yeah, it is. And then like the aspect of, of voice, right? Like voice comes to mind. I think with with curiosity, at least what I'm learning, which is it's been a cool journey, right? Because I haven't always been the most curious human. Like I feel like I was always asked to give my perspective on things or like give answers. I wasn't really asked a lot about questions that I had. And so I know like this journey for me has been pretty transformative because it's helped me flip my own mindset and build new neural pathways where I go from like everything's answers that I'm giving to questions that I'm asking. But what I've been learning is, and I'm sure Scott shares this as well, is there's like a certain incubation period of the thinking, right? The curiosity being applied into questions. Then there's this like this next phase of voice. And I think voice is a really important part of that. And so for you, voice is a huge part of what you get to do with your platform. Like what's some of the most exciting stuff that, that you feel like you get to do on, I mean, across your mediums, it doesn't need to be a specific platform to really like bring voice to life. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting concept because I specifically went into journalism because like, yes, I'm writing the words, but I'm telling someone else's story. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily, mm -hmm. I'm not writing a first pers person narrative about me. I'm interviewing people and telling their story. I'm giving a voice to someone else um, through whatever platform that would employ me as a journalist kind of thing. And so the world of an influencer really kind of has never been, you know, like in, intuitive for me because I'm so about like who's, tell, who's telling me the story that I'm then presenting. Um, but when you're an influencer, it's about you and what you like and what you have to say about X, Y, and Z. So that was kind of interesting and not kind of second nature for me. Um, mm. I would say at first, but I still think it's a little bit hard to put me at the center of a story. Um, when I'm just so used to the journalism side of things of telling someone else's story. I always say that um, for It's Not Hugh, our main character is um, Houston. It's not, a, it's not about me. I'm, I may be a vessel and telling you mm. why you should enjoy this um, restaurant, this workout studio or whatever, but it's not about me. <laughs> yeah. It's not, he was like all the reasons why Houston is my favorite color. Yeah. It's like every single one. There we go. I'll just start pointing people there be like, this is why. Go to It's Not You. Clearly. Yeah, just scroll for like five minutes. Done. Houston sounds great. <laughs> I love that. One of the kind of the underlying premises that we've got uh, in terms of our journey is kind of, in, as Brad's touching on it, so to kind of build on it a little bit, is this ability to kind of ask questions. Mm -hmm. And that that's a skill set that doesn't come naturally to a lot of people and is one, though, that can be learned. 
And one is somebody who tells people's stories and talks to people and all different kind of corners of, of kind of the innovation space. Can you share a little bit about what you've learned along the way in terms of what makes a good question or a bad question? Like maybe a little bit of the tactics on mm-hmm. kind of what uh, what you've seen um, kind of unpack the get to the state that you want to get to. You you, you know now what mm-hmm. good story versus maybe less interesting story, et cetera. You've had an opportunity to talk to a lot of interesting folks. Like yeah. A little bit of uh, your your learnings and perspective around that. I think it's funny because I do all like prepare for a podcast interview. I probably shouldn't reveal this, but like in ten minutes, if I'm familiar enough with you know somebody or a company or something like that. You're ahead um, of us, Alicia. Yeah, that's a lot of time. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you take a notes. I mean, I'm like, I, I prepare am that, ten minutes. Got I don't it. know if it's type. I think it's type A where I'm like I have to know where things are going. I have to like have, and I don't. I hate to be like if I'm listening to someone say something and not, I'm going to be like, what do I ask next? So I'm like, I have the question so I can actually be a pay attention to, uh, at least on the podcast. But if I'm doing an interview, that's not going to be, um, uploaded as an MP3 or, or whatever. Like if it's, it's the recording is just for my annotations later, I, um, uh, I get to really have a conversation. I don't think too hard about like what, what I'm going to ask them. Um, but I have learned I think business journalism is also sounds a little boring and I kind of agree. It's like you usually do kind of have a structure. You know what the story is going to be. Your conversations with people are just kind of supplemental to like really build out the story. Um, but what I've learned writing about startups, especially in in terms of what I do a lot on Innovation Map, which is, you know, almost like a startup feature. Like I'm the story is only about this one startup, maybe how they got started. Um, maybe there's a, and there usually is like a news peg to it. Like they just raised some money, you know, or they're growing their team or they're, they have a new iteration of their technical, technical, you know, programming or whatever it is. But, um, what I've learned is a lot of people don't have, first of all, startups are, are founded by people who really passionate usually about their technology. Um, and the solution they're providing and their company in general, it's very common to hear founders refer to their startup as their baby. So it's like, (laughs) it's very personal when you're talking to somebody about their company. um, And sometimes they don't necessarily know how to do an interview. This is their first interview and I'm their first, you know, interviewer. (laughs) So it's a little, it's a little more pressure in that way. Whereas most of the time in business journalism, yeah, it's like, people have been media trained and they know what to say and it's just kind of supplemental interview. But so it's a lot of pressure and I enjoy that in a way because it's, it's much more personal and it feels closer to that original interest that I had as being a journalist and telling people's stories. So, um, it's, it's really fun to get to write those stories and it doesn't happen too often where I get to write a story and I'm like, I'm really proud of that. This person is so interesting and they're really passionate about their technology. Um, and so when those happen, I just I'm like, I love that. I love, I love that for them. I love that for me. <laughs> Super but yeah, cool. it's a lot of pressure though. Like I said, it's to, to when I'm talking to somebody and I'm like, the story's cranking out in my head. I'm like, Oh, this is how I'm going to start it or whatever. And I'm like, will they like it? Do they like that? I talked about, you know, their bad first date that then led to them creating a dating app. Like, but I think that's also what makes good journalism is the people element of it. And really the discovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, 
being able to unpack and discover sort of the 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 nuances of of humanity and individualism mm. i think is something that is a bit of what we're on this journey to help people kind of yeah. get a better uh, uh build better muscles around how to do that because yeah. it's so our consumption of of media and our human interaction is so condensed from what it has historically been and the speed of those changes are sort of brain power and evolutionary background isn't keeping up with that and mm -hmm. so we don't yeah. have the the time and uh the attention to spend to sort of get to know individual individually uh the humans around us and so we make these sort of quick catch kind of uh decisions around uh how we will think about or interact and so uh just a a, a uh, not only a mindset around being willing to ask questions but but asking open-ended questions and being willing to sort of hear and pull on a thread that maybe you didn't know was there when mm -hmm. the conversation started and um as in terms of just some of the the tips for listeners and that are looking to get out and kind of practice a bit of that yeah i mean that idea as you said of i think it's both individualism but also just diversity and inclusivity across different perspectives belief systems systems infrastructures societies i mean that's one of i mean that was one of the biggest motivations for curiosity is we have a what what appears to be or feels like a quite polarized society at the moment um politically as is definitely one aspect of it but i think it goes beyond that to just our day-to-day -day lives and the interactions that we have with other humans to at some point we forgot to celebrate diversity and different kinds of voices and perspectives and being able to have like dialogue and discourse and ask questions and, like learn and grow and grow from one another i think there's something super powerful about that and instead it feels like we live in this alternative universe where we get fragmented realities that are pretty microscopic but that to us because of the mediums where we're getting information being fed to us or we're engaging or interacting or sharing information um is is the whole truth and i think that um, my hope one big big hope here is that curiosity allows us to kind of open our minds to to be curious again and ask questions and celebrate the fact that someone believes something fundamentally different than i do i think that's a beautiful thing and yeah. so we definitely want that to hopefully inspire other humans to, you know, in, in that moment when, you know, you start, you, you, you hear something that maybe you see a different perspective of, or you believe something different when you feel like that, like rush of emotion and endorphins just about to explode through your mouth, like pause and take a breath and maybe ask some questions and learn before just subjectifying that perspective. I think um, as you know, recently as like 20, 30 years ago, um, humans operated in their kind of networks, right? And those were like physical networks <laughs> that you, you had your people that you worked with, you had the people in your neighborhood, you had your family, like the people you went to school with, your close friends, but those are very um, insular. You know them in person, you spend time with them in person. And as the internet has equipped people, it's the world is now very worldly and we can connect with people all over the world. And I think that's great to an extent, but instead of, you know, it's opened up these new digital networks that I think don't have as strong as a connection. You're more removed from this person because you've never met them in person. And so then they're not a real kind of human to you. They have less value, I think, just because you don't have that physical 
connection to them. So yeah. I think it's it's really great that we can see how people live all around the world, but I it's mean, it's almost like it's weakened that human to human connection because yeah. it's digital. Um, so I think that's it's great, but it's it's a double edged sword where you're like, okay, but they're still humans, and and it's also allowed us to be like. Whoever lives next door to you, you don't have any control over that, I don't think, um, in any situation. So you are exposed to that person in person every day out of your control. But on the Internet, you decide who you interact with mm -hmm. and you're probably picking people who you can relate to in some sense. Um, so then, you know, as great as it is that you can access humans from all around the world, you're still probably being selected, selective and you're putting these people in a bubble with you, which I think contributes to the divisive state that we're in yeah. now um it's like we we didn't we didn't used to get to really decide who was around us at all points in times but on the internet you do is it good or is it bad yeah it's so an interesting true. point because you, you're also stripped back the physical interaction like you're saying the 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 facial responses the tone of voice mm -hmm. etc and just like smelling people's endorphins that that whole that's that a, that connection, it's literally I mean, just I mean, the all words five on the senses page. are activated right. when you're doing human to human interaction in some capacity. Typically, maybe not taste. That would be a little weird. <laughs> but most <laughs> of our senses are activated in human to human interaction. And like, yeah, that's trust. That's confidence. That's bond. Mm -hmm. That's relatability. That's our 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 willingness. I think is the right word. Our willingness to listen and learn more readily, which is one of the most interesting things I think about what social media has done just from a more behavioral lens, right? If so, one of the major correlations to behavior shaping, right, is frequency over time. And so if I have a high level of frequency over a certain amount of time, whatever that amount of time might be to change a behavior, it takes three months, for example, but we're going on many, many years at this point of changing behavior and frequency and time have played a critical role in that, right? So the behaviors that we have today through social media it's now a learned behavior. And so that behavior doesn't just exist anymore within a social platform. It's now kind of manifested itself into the physical world. And you see evidence of it where people are, they, we speak differently than I think we typically spoke in a face-to-face -face interaction before social media was as much of a part of our life as it is today. And I think to your point, it's, I mean, it's this, this is not an us versus them, you know, human versus machine conversation. I believe every tool has an opportunity to do beautiful, magical things. And every tool sometimes can do less than awesome things. Um, but I, I think what's really powerful is being aware that this is a tool and it does have the ability to reshape our narrative, our perspective, our point of view. But to the point, and I share all that because you said something earlier that really resonated with me. And I would describe it almost as like, you humanize people's stories. And you, by doing that, you really elevate their voice. So I'd love to hear a little more from you on like, how do you go about doing that? How do you go about having this conversation with, some, with another human being and really seeing them as a human being and all their passion and all their excitement and all their technology is the best thing that's ever happened and really like bring forward that human voice? I think most of the time it's pretty easy because People are people first before they're a founder or, you know, whatever that is the reason that I'm interviewing them. Um, and so people have a very uh, people connection. Even if I'm just talking to somebody on the phone, usually I can pick up their energy and excitement. Um, so I think that's pretty easy. But I also usually have a game plan when I go in to tell a story like it's this type of story. So I know I want 
this and I want to know the answers to these questions um, and then just treat like go in with those goals, but then treat the the interview as a conversation and and let it go where it needs to go. I mean, sometimes on my busy days where I'm like, OK, I can crank this out and like a 20, maybe 30 minute call. And and then I can write the story up real fast and hit publish. And um, when I'm responsible for publishing three stories a day, sometimes I need that, <laughs> those quick <laughs> stories. But um, when I'm if I go in with that game plan, I love being surprised where I'm like, oh, I didn't know this. Like, I, I didn't know that this was going to be a part of story. So whatever game plan kind of um, bare bones kind of structure I had for the story, um, I'm going to have to throw that out the window because, you know, this information is much more important. And I always look at you kind of do you think of a news story and whether it's a feature or breaking news this is a as an inverted pyramid. You have your most important information at the top. Well, even if I'm even if it's a feature and there's not necessarily like breaking news associated, I still think that sometimes the most important part of that story is, you know, the people part of it. Um, maybe my intro is going to start at the beginning where this individual had this idea based off of their own experience to start this company and provide this service for people who were also going through what they were going through. And so I think, um, you know, starting with that anecdotal type of intro um, is important because, again, people are people first. And so an individual reading that is going to identify with that versus me just starting cold and being like, this company does this and they're raising money or whatever like the, the story yeah. is. So um, And it's like that relatability factor feels like super critical to that as well. I know. I mean, and there's people solving problems in Houston that I firsthand experience. And that's really exciting when I get to write that story where I'm like, I've been this person. <laughs> like yeah. I didn't have an idea for a company because I'm not an entrepreneur, but um, this person did and they created a technology that is solving that. So those types of stories are always really fun for me. Hmm. You have this unique opportunity to kind of put your curiosity into a display case for kind of others to to check out and react to and comment on and you have kind of a exposure to kind of a, a, an interesting feedback got sort of two questions and we can address one or both or none of them um is you just stiff arm us. <laughs> yeah, <It's> <laughs> uh, just sort of are, are there things that that you have are, are passionate about or that you spend time on uh that that don't have that display case that that you you particularly uh mm. enjoy and kind of think about but are more kind of like uh you you do them for you um not that you don't do the other things for yeah. you as well but like that that um are a, a, a bit different and maybe nascent things or things that you've you've uh just kind of enjoyed do I have any hobbies that I don't brag about? Right. Honestly, <laughs> I don't think I do. Like I, I'm so, I, I am really pretty, uh, pretty much everything I do is pretty well documented. Um, you can tell by the literal tens of thousands of photos on my phone, but yeah, I, uh, I do reading did start out as that. Like it was definitely something, but I just, I, when you're passionate about something and you don't want to talk about it, like I, I can't relate to that because that's exactly what happened as I, really love talking about books. And then I like turn to my friends who don't read and I'm like, 
I can't talk to you about books, so I'm going to talk <laughs> to people on the internet. People yeah. Um, no offense. Like I have been in a book club for over six, oh, I think seven years now. And we read a book a month and that, that was, that was great. Um, but that I read cool. much more than that. And I have all these other books that I want to talk about. It's great that I can talk about this, you know, one book a month with this group of friends. Um, so then I, I joined more book clubs and I made my, uh, book Instagram and stuff. So it's like, yeah, I really like talking about it. I think one thing, um, I get to talk about with like friends and everyone's different in this kind of aspect of your life, but I really love working out at different studios and I have ones that I now pretty much exclusively go to. And so it's kind of nice to be part of those little, um, communities cause they are communities. Like you're mm. sweating next to someone <laughs> three times a week. Um, and you kind Built of some community right there. Yeah, Physical. you really do. I mean, <laughs> Smelling like, sweat. I, mean. I went to a spin studio for like, I think three years and those are, uh, some of my friends like right now and people are like how did you meet i'm like uh, uh, we worked out together and or she was my spin instructor and now we're neighbors and we hang out weekly you know what i mean so that's kind of nice and i don't really post about those because you, you can't that's like that's that's my me time to mm. you know check the box if i worked out i'm a good person today <laughs> and uh, but also like mentally escape um for 45 to uh, 45 minutes to an hour so so your next platform will be all about exercise it sounds I, but, like but that's the thing is is like i know that's not going back to like what i'm posting has to have value i don't have that much value. i go to the same places there's nothing new yeah. <laughs> like you know what i mean and i am by no means um a fitness expert so i have no value to give people on this like topic mm -hmm. uh but it is still very important to me um, a big part of my life. I mean, I literally, I work out daily if, if all goes to plan. Um, so you, I don't even you could go try every gym in Houston, but I don't want to, I mean, yeah. I don't want to, I should, that'd, <laughs> be, that'd should. be great content, but that like, would be cool. It would be nice I, for someone to go on yeah. that journey. I'd like to see through their eyes. But have you ever gone to a new studio somewhere you've never been before? I'm sure you have, but like you go to somewhere new and you're like, I don't know where to put my bag. Yeah. I don't know who this person is. Wait, this isn't actually that hard. Like I think I'm doing this wrong. Yeah. yeah. I I don't like, I don't love that. I mean, yeah, I'll true. do it. I'm every once in a while. I'm like, I'm interested in this new type of class, trampoline class where you work out on a personal trampoline and it's called bounce. And I, it was great for like one time. Like I was like, this is great. This is cool. I'll, I'll blog about it, but I like the structure. And I also feel like in fitness, you have to stick to something to actually see results. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do Pilates. And I'm going to do it three times a week until I can do every single thing this Pilates instructor um, is telling me to do, which still not happened, but um, it will one day. But I'm like, I have these kind of goals that you need to like improve on and stuff. So that's where I really like to, to see myself change with a specific type of working out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's that thing where I'm like, it'd be great to provide this value of all the different studios, all the different types of working out that you can do in Houston. And I do that to some extent, but it's never going to be something I dedicate a lot of um, time to because it's personal and I want to do the thing that's right for me versus the rest of Houston. So <laughs> for this that, one thing. <laughs> that, that, that thread leads me to sort of my second question okay. again. Uh, you can stiff arm this question is, uh, are there things that are on the horizon that are sort of either on the back burner now or kind of areas that you've kind of observed and seen like, Hey, I would do something there or look at something here or, um, you know, another, another, uh, I'm glad that you brag about your hobbies because <laughs> the, the things that you, that you're interested in or doing are interesting to me. And I, I benefit from it, the value that you add. 
um, that anything that's sort of, uh, cooking, um, that, um, that you're willing to talk about? I, I don't have any like one thing that I want to do. Um, that's kind of new, but I was thinking about this cause everyone does the, the new year. You're like, what are my resolutions? And I took a step back from making these resolutions, but, um, I actually do have one though. Now that I'm thinking about this, I was like, I'm just trying to be better across the board is kind of my idea. Like you pick a word, um, a group of my friends, we all sure. picked a word. And so I picked the word. Oh my gosh, I was about to ask you if you picked a word. <gasps> Skylar and I picked words. Go. What's okay, your word? My I'm word, so excited. Um, is flourish. Uh. Like that's the goal is to flourish. Um, because I think that we all want to do new things on a new year. You're like, I'm going to finally do this. I'm going to finally do that. Um, but I just kind of, I felt like between 2020 and 2021, I kind of just like lost momentum across the board or whatever. Like, I feel like I was failing just based off of my various email inboxes. I'm like, I'm failing here. I'm failing there. I'm like, I'm behind on this. I'm behind on that. And so rather than have some grandiose thing that I want to accomplish that's new and not already on my plate, like just be better at all the things that I'm doing. So to flourish across the board, but I do have like a not so secret passion for, um, like writing fiction. Like I've never done it, mm -hmm. but I would love to do that one day is to actually be a published author of a book that I would want to read. So I'm going to write it. <laughs> and is that like a, I don't know, like a middle grade yeah. fiction book or like, uh, like where, where do you think that that would land or but like, Hey, I just want to write a piece of fiction. It doesn't matter sort of what the, the audience might be. One of or... my favorite genres of book is, um, thriller suspense novels. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I don't, I'm very, very picky about which ones I like. Like I'll read any thriller, um, unless it's a series cause I have commitment issues, but like <laughs> any standalone thriller I'll read. Um, but I'll be really picky about it if the, the the villain is obvious or if I can guess every twist or, you know, if the writing is not good, but, you know, the plot's good. I'm like, no, no, you got to have both kind of thing. So I think that would be an interesting type of book to write and that I would feel like I would, because I'm so critical, I think oh, I should be able to do it right, right. But really, it's just been me putting off starting because I'm like, I don't, I don't want to mess it up because I'm so picky. I know other people are. Or whatever. If a few starts though, like do like like uh, I have a really great idea. Kind of I have okay. a really good okay. idea. It's just a matter of like I said, the sitting down and writing to the standard that ha that I have is the biggest. Yeah. Can we get a teaser like first heard on Curiosity? Uh, no, because someone's going to take it and write it faster than I can because wow. I can't. That's fair. I'm That's fair. dragging well, you, my feet. We first heard on Curiosity <laughs> that there will be. A teaser at also, some point. Also, with my last name, Arms, fiction. with thriller, my last yeah, name, I'm obviously awesome. a thriller writer. Like, obviously. Right. Naturally. Right. I'm not a thriller fan. What were y'all's words? You're not a thriller fan? No. Do you? Oh, you don't? I just, no. You don't like being scared? scared? No. Oh, weird. Well, uh, to be Sky fair. Sky loves, 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 loves all the thrillers and the murder books and all the creepy stuff. Like, she is here for it. I think we'll probably share a lot of the same books. Probably. I think what's so interesting about thrillers, though, is you have to have, like, it's, you get tied into these characters and you... You put yourself, I, at least I, I think most readers do this too, though, is like you put yourself into the character's shoes. Um, and so you are the main character maybe, or you're one of the characters, you're part of the story you're as you're reading. Solving alongside. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's completely addicting to be a part of, of a thriller as it kind of unfolds. Um, and so sometimes I read them and I'm not like necessarily connected in that way, but the ones that I can actually connect to and like get me 
hooked to where mm. I can't put it down, stay up late into the night reading. Those are going to be thrillers more than they're going to be like a rom-com or historical fiction. I'm going to be like, I, I can't, I can't connect to this in that personal way. I'm so fascinated by the story, but yeah, that's why I was like, and signing up for an experience. Yes. And so I I think that's probably how I'll write a book is I'll, it'll be very like, I am this character. (laughs) This Mm. is my story. Take on the persona of the character. I I, I love your word, by the way, flourishes. It's a beautiful word. To answer your question, my word is good. Okay. And the reason I chose that word is because I want to, I want to experience all that is good in this world. And I want to share and kind of bring good energy into the world and just be a steward of more of the, the wonderful things that we do have in this world rather than always focusing on or being fed information about that, which is less than awesome. Mm-hmm. Cause I think I, I often tell people, um, every human on any given day is awesome more than awesome or less than awesome. But I think that our brains naturally gravitate to the moments when we're less than awesome and really get fixated on that. So I want to try to keep my mindset and my vocabulary and conversations more to the awesome and more than awesome and just bring more good energy into the wonders of humanity because there's a lot of beauty that we overlook. Yeah. And what's funny is Sky's word was energy. And so you put it together, good energy kind of fit really. One of my friends was energy. That's That's a good one. It is a good one. Good is a good one. Good is a good, it's good energy. Yeah. (laughs) Sky, did you have a word? I guess it's up to me. I'm I'm sort of committing to one now. I love the exercise and I've done it historically. Uh, And mine's in the same vein, I think, is just the word live. And the, there's a lot of life that doesn't fall into the category of living if you're not careful. And so... I think that uh, for me, the priority is to do more spontaneous kinds of things, more living. So I think that that is uh, a focus. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Because it's, it's you're in trend as being alive, you're living, but it's like, are you doing the, the things that you want to do with that life at every moment? Because it's like, it's so easy to just... I'm just going to sleep in today. I'm going to skip this thing that I was planning to do or whatever. It's like, I'm, I can do it later or whatever. It's like, no, be intentional and, and be present. And I think that's probably for me, I've spent a lot of my life sort of grinding through the present for some future state. And I think a lot of us do that. There's this kind of hope or promise for some future. And there's a lot of that that we have control of, of, of and over and a lot that we don't have control of. And so, uh, being more present. And, um, so that is for sure something that's, uh, that's on my mind. I've got four kids and they're all in school now. And there's like a lot that, uh, they're getting into that, um, is an opportunity for me to be sort of more of a present parent, um, versus maybe sort of how I've thought about that in the past. So yeah, it's easy to take for granted, I think you know. Oh, for sure. So absolutely. Um, I was, was thinking through like you, the exposure that you get to so many different kinds of people, uh, directly or through social media. I wanted to ask, it's sort of like, I want to, I want you to speculate a little bit about like, I don't know if it's like how to phrase the question exactly, but it's like, I think I'll, I'll contain it to sort of the city of Houston and not like speculate on humanity, like where are we going as like a, a, a group of living beings, but like 
here if we want to go there we can't <laughs> i mean um, I'm, I'm just gonna say watch don't look up on netflix because that fantastic. is the thing that has it been so messing with my brain that is such since a I wild it. film oh, oh my gosh i was actually where, thinking about it today on the drive over i, think about it I don't even know why time. I'm, i've annoyed so many of my friends who are like yeah it was okay i'm like first of all you're wrong um oh they're definitely wrong that movie was <laughs> very very well done yeah the movie was insane it's, and it was a thinker too. And I watched it by myself and I was just yeah. was like, I have no one to talk to about this. I need to talk to somebody. Oh my gosh. It was wild. It Anyways, was wild. but that is, that is. I also a, thought about Ted Lasso while we were talking to just the eternal optimism that he brought to the world. Like. Love that show. I mean, it's amazing. I think, you know, I think we're all ready for a little more optimism, which is maybe so. why good became my word. Mm-hmm. Like, Sky goes, why did you pick? Good. <laughs> He's and, like disappointed in you. Yeah. And, I, and I, so I explained my logic and I was like, I don't know. Like for some reason, what stood out to me is like, God made the world and said that it is good. And I'm like, I think this world has a lot of beauty in it. And like, yeah, it's not perfect. Like in the many senses, we're kind of a hot mess right now, but there's also a lot of like wonderful things that we forget. Like somebody on my team sent me all the cool things that happened in 2021. It's like this list. Hmm. There's some insane stuff that happened that like, I don't think anyone knows about like advancements in quantum computing that never got discussed. And I'm like, why are we like, I get, we need to talk about things where there's some issues because there are some real deep rooted issues for sure that we need to expose and like learn about and work together to solve for. There's also like some really badass things that have happened too. Like we could talk about both, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, I think, I, I think I just tangented it a little bit out of passion, but I know, nonetheless, but don't back, look up was so good. <laughs> yes, yeah, so good. But um, one of my kind of latest binges that have been, it's been like TV show, but also book um, is The Good Place, which is an a, amazing Fantastic. show that I think has some Ted Lasso vibes of this. Like, Ooh, I haven't seen this yet. Okay. okay. So, I mean, it's Jotting that down. underrated uh, kind of, um, but the same one of the writers from The Office and Parks and Rec created the good place and he also wrote oh, a book cool. and it's kind of the premise is moral philosophy which is just mm. a lot to to handle and so he kind of approaches it, it in this be. very um easy to handle way a sitcom <laughs> right like mm-hmm. a four season show that's super easy to to watch i'm only about halfway not even demystifying but, philosophy now well that's so that's, that's his, ambitious. you gotta check it out so, i won't ruin it like it is an extremely satisfying Wow, series it's, the it's way that it's put very together. good and i just keep I'm like yeah one more episode fine like i'm well, hooked but i read his book first which mm-hmm. i don't think is what he expected to do but basically to create the good plays is he did a bunch of deep dives this is michael sure who did a bunch of deep dives into moral philosophy like everything from modern philosophers to ancient <laughs> philosophers and all of them they had they have conflicting theories on what makes a good person a good person, you know, lying is always bad. Or if lying brings um, pain or if telling the truth brings pain to someone, then you are morally obligated to lie to them to not cause that pain. Mm-hmm. Like which one's right? Lying's always bad or there are opportunities for white lies that can do better than the truth could. So, um, but that's what his whole book is about is like these concepts of if you punch your friend in the face, um, you know, is that always bad? or are there, is there a time where that's good? I'm messing this up, but the whole book, it's called How to Be Perfect. And it's like the, the sub headline. It's good to be punched in the face. Sounds like a great title for one of the shows. <laughs> right. And then, and like the whole, the whole show like tackles different issues too. But the subtitle of the, of the book is, it's hilarious. It's like the correct answer to every moral question or something like that, where it's like, 
no, there's not a correct answer, but like, let's talk about it. And so I listened to it on an audiobook. But now that I'm watching the show, I'm like, I'm going to have to re-listen to that <laughs> that book because mm. now I'm like going to have the context of of how he tackled it in the show. Yeah, it's like the... Just, you're optimistic about humanity. Honestly, I, yeah, I guess, but only because I, well, now I'm like, now I feel like I have to learn more and more about moral philosophy to be able to, to like be worth all the time I've spent listening to this book and watching this show um, and having those things. Cause it's like the, the typical types of moral philosophy challenges of like, you're in a trolley and it's about to hit and kill five people, but you could pull a lever and there's only one person over here. Do you pull the lever, which is then intentionally killing someone versus mm. accidentally killing five people, but one less, one person is one person versus five people is five people. And it's like, well, no, I don't know. <laughs> wow. So that's where I'm like, oh no, oh no, this has opened a whole world. Uh, I'm going to use some ingenuity and find another alternative where everyone lives. You can't. Or, but then there's like, there's I, can. A, <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing. It's like, but then it's like, you add in all the different, creative. you add in all the different layers. They're all strangers. No, scrappy. you know, the per, the one person and the one person is someone you hate. And then mm. you're like, well, you're intentionally killing this person you hate. Or that one person is someone you know and love. And then you're going to kill the five strangers. Mm-hmm. Ah, wow. so this is the, the, mm. the trip that I've been on where I'm like, oh no, I don't want to, I never thought about this kind of stuff. But so don't hate anyone. That's like number one. <laughs> that's that's what I'm hearing. Because then in that scenario, it changes the game a little bit. Yeah. You got to watch the show. Apparently. You got to see how they approach the Charlie problem. There's a spinoff episode here where everybody finishes the good place and we yes. come back on and we I debate think there some is. moral philosophy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for some moral philosophy. Get into some stoicism while we're at it. I'm, sounds amazing. Love it. <laughs> Committed. Yeah. Stay, stay stoic and keep rocking. <laughs> but I love that there's just like so many things like that out. This To go back to the purpose of this podcast of curiosity is it's like my curiosity is peaked in moral philosophy and now I'm like, well, I can't just be like, oh, finish the show up, finish the book. And it's like, mm. no, maybe I'm going to look into if there, there's a podcast on this. It's like these types of things like it was a show, it was a book, but there's so much more like kind of deep diving into yeah. that. Is there a thriller novel premise here with some moral philosophy threads oh, that maybe okay. get integrated? That would be, I'm, and I'm sure it exists oh, already. I'm just like, like, there could be like the, I don't know what you would call the character necessarily. I was going to say like the heroine, but that may not be the case. So you have the character, the lead character, and maybe they are like a moral philosopher student, but they're also like in a situation caught up in, and they're having yeah. to, they're, they're wanting to use the, the light and the guidance of moral philosophy, but they also are like a serial killer or something. Yeah. Well, like, isn't yeah, that like that Dexter like, where he like kills uh, yeah. there, people there who are bad? Well, I did read one book, um, and it's called, they never learn, um, I forgot the author's name, but it's, it is literally like, um, she murders, she murders people, but she has a great reason. So, okay. um, and where does that go? <laughs> and you're like, so as a reader, you're conflicted. Cause you're like, you're a serial killer, but like, I see where you're coming from and it's, and I'm like, it humanizes it. Yeah, it really yeah. does. But no, I would think that's probably like a murder's bad. That whole, like, that, that whole construct, like. Like someone taking another human's life, it's pretty, it's pretty heavy. And like, if you really like, when you really break it down, like I was talking with someone recently, it was a very deep conversation as I like to have, but we were talking about some moral philosophy and it was like, you know, someone breaks into your home. Like, yep. They're like, you have a gun and they have a gun. What do you do? 
And I'm like, I'm not going to kill them. I'm just not. Like, I don't want to take another human's life. What are you going to do? They're about to shoot you or your family. And I'm like, find an alternative. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. is there not another option? Like, are we that devolved as a society where we can't figure out a better path? I mean, I know it's a big question. Like, I'm not blind to say, like, in every scenario that's going to happen. But, like, man, is there a better way? Then you go to, like, systemic yeah. of, like, education from zero to five. And if we could fix that, we could probably fix most of humanity. And then you wouldn't have to get into the encounter where someone feels the need to break into someone's home and rob them because they don't have a meal to eat. So there's that. <laughs> so it gets, it's a very big matrix. I mean, we could talk about that for probably days. We could do like a 24-hour like podcast in the metaverse about moral philosophy. Well, and that's, I think, the the conclusion of everything we've just talked about is that it's it's a gradient. There's no, I, there's not necessarily universal wrongs and rights. Um, mm. And so that's what's fascinating is like, how do people nowadays approach those like types of, you know, is this wrong? Is this right? And how do people approach that 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago? Like, are we evolving or has that stayed the same that we're still in this gray area and we pretty much all agree that like this one thing is wrong and this one thing is right. But I think with kind of the cancel culture of the world, not to bring it to this, but like you see that there's these, there are things that we can all agree are wrong. And then some things that maybe are a little less wrong, but we still treat it the same way as being completely wrong. And so I think that's, I think that's not necessarily new, but it's on a, grander scale now yeah and, and then you introduce laws of nature like gravity i mean it's it's hard to argue gravity right i was actually i was having a similar conversation with someone recently and that's what we were talking about we we're talking about just the complexities of you know good bad right wrong etc and like does that even exist but then when you introduce like some things that are just fundamental fact like gravity it's really hard to it's hard to challenge that because we know that if we step off the side of a mountain we will fall like, even if we, even if we, and so we talked about what if you introduce technology, it's like, well, technology isn't eliminating gravity. It's just mm -hmm. giving you the ability to overcome the natural laws limitations, but that doesn't mean the natural law no longer exists. So like that philosophical perspective, I've always found super fascinating. Like, I think some things just are, and it's almost like, there's like a level of like appreciation for and gratitude for that, which is, and that, which is not. Again, getting very meta, which is where I love to live. So I will digress from that. My head hurts. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> I know we've been at it for a long time. This has been a really fascinating conversation. Um, Natalie, really appreciate you having. Uh, I feel like you're having me on the show because I'm like uh, here in the middle, <laughs> yeah, Ex experiencing the guest seat. But uh, it's awesome to have you on the show and really enjoyed the discussion. Thank you for listening. Join Brad and Scott next time on the Curiosity Podcast. Onward. The Curiosity Podcast is hosted by Brad Rosacci and Sky Gale. The guests featured are on as individuals and are not on the show to represent an organization and no commercial relationship implied or otherwise as a result of their appearance. The views and opinions expressed herein are solely those of the individuals and do not reflect the opinions or beliefs of any affiliated organization.